Mr. Pat, how's it going? So good evening, everyone, and welcome to installment number six of our series entitled First and Second Thessalonians. The mindset of the theme behind these two letters to the church at Thessalonica and really to us here today is preparation for the second coming of Christ Jesus. The idea behind the writing that Paul put into this leaves no doubt in the minds of Christians that Christ Jesus will return. And he goes about the business of explaining quite a few things, especially for those who would be alive at that time, as well as those who would have died, uh, have already died at that time. So today, as we look at lesson number six, um, what we're going to do, and I'm sure there are more than this, but Paul has identified, or you can identify, eight ways to be ready for Christ Jesus' return. When I say eight ways to be ready for Christ Jesus' return, what we're saying is that eight things we can be doing on a consistent basis as children of God in preparation for the return of Christ Jesus. Would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we are truly of the faithful and we believe that you are our God, you are our Father, you are our Creator. We truly believe that Christ Jesus is our Savior and our mediator. We truly believe that the Holy Spirit guides us each and every day in our prayer and our, in our activities and our thoughts, the words that we speak. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we venture through this series, Father, we will look for ways that, that we can continue to improve upon our walk of faith in preparation for that day that our Savior returns. And, Father, give us the where for all as well, Father, to reach out into the community, to reach out into the world, to find those who are lost and seeking Christ, Father, and help them come to the knowledge of him. Father, we thank you for watching over us. We thank you for blessing us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. So one thing that Paul describes in this particular letter is that the true church has certain characteristics and when we talk, think about these what he's saying is that it has nothing to do with size, it has nothing to do with age, wealth, building or even the staff. He sees the Thessalonian church as a true church. Why? Because it experienced a true conversion at the hands of true and sincere ministers or preachers. In addition to this, this particular congregation congregation was growing in moral purity. It was growing in the knowledge of God's word, specifically what would happen when Christ Jesus returned. In chapter 5, 
it was explained that although uh, many things happen simultaneously at Christ Jesus' return, when I say many things, we're talking about the judgment of the wicked. We're talking about the heaven and the earth being destroyed, etc., etc. But Paul focuses here only on what happens to Christians in his letter to the Thessalonians, in that he's saying those who are dead, those dead Christians will arrive and join those Christians who are alive to be with Christ Jesus in the air forever. So if these things are so, Paul goes about the business of explaining to them how they can prepare for this event. And he he identifies eight things that they can do. You turn your attention to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 10, and you see how those things fall out. Uh, Some of them, anyway. The the first one, and that is watch yourself. So we look at chapter 5, verses 4 through 10. Let's read that. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, here disasleep means dead, we might live with him. So going back up to verses 4 and 5, let's read that again. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Christians, we as Christians, we are in the light. in that we can see things coming. We can see things coming. Not like the unbelievers who are unaware that their end is near in that they're in the darkness. He talks about this watchfulness, being ready, being watchful. At verse 6 of the text, he says, So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert. Let us be sober. When we look at that word alert, what he's saying is you need to be watchful. You need to be paying attention to what's going on around you. He's saying be sober. In other words, be peaceful, be clear-minded. He continues at verse 8 by saying, those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Our sobriety, our sobriety is in a spiritual nature, if you will. And it distinguishes itself in that we live by faith in Christ Jesus. As we read in in, uh, 2 Corinthians, Christians walk by faith, not by sight. We are to have love one for another. We are to have a firm hope, if you will, that Jesus will come. We don't allow ourselves to be led away. In other words, we don't allow, allow ourselves to be inebriated 
by the sin in this world that, that comes about as a result of faithlessness, that comes about as a result of hard-heartedness, that comes about as a result of a loss of hope for eternal life. This spiritual drunkenness, or rather this is spiritual drunkenness. At verse 9 and 10, again he says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So Paul here is encouraging the church there at Thessalonica and the church here on the bar road. He is encouraging them. He is encouraging us to be watchful against spiritual laziness and sin. Why? Because they are destined, because we are destined for eternal life with Jesus. We are not destined for punishment. And as a result of this, we need to keep alert so that we don't lose our way. People lose. Why do people lose their way? Why do people lose their way? Thank you. Brother Ron said, basically, we get caught up in the world. And as a result of getting caught up in the world, we take our minds off Christ Jesus and we put our minds on those, the worldly things around us. And that thing about being alert requires focus. It requires focus on put your eyes on Christ Jesus and keep them there. There's going to be a lot of distractions going on around us. So we can either allow ourselves to be distracted or we can allow ourselves to stay focused. You guys ever notice... Um, let's say a cheetah or a leopard. Once that cheetah or that leopard see that wildebeest and, and that wildebeest is running through the crowd of other wildebeests, that cheetah or that leopard still see that wildebeest that is after. It doesn't matter how many they run past, that cheetah is focused on that one. You're the one I'm going to eat today. And so we have to have that kind of focus, too. Regardless of what's going on around us, we need to maintain that focus and stay focused on Christ Jesus. So, again, just as we said here, people lose their way because they are careless with their faith. And Paul says to watch, to pay attention, to be alert as well as sober-minded, clear thinking in spiritual matters in spiritual matters in order to be ready when Christ Jesus returns. Because as Brother Ron said, there are so many things going on around us that are non-spiritual. They can distract us. They can pull us off course. So another thing, another thing he mentions in order to prepare is build up the church. Verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. So I love that part right there. He, he said, he's not saying you aren't doing that already, but he said continue to do it, continue to do it. So in this text right here, Paul uses two key words to describe our ministry one to another in the church. He uses that word encourage, which is to comfort, which is to exhort. This is the same word that is used by our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus in John chapter 16 at verse 17 in referring to the Holy Spirit. 
It means to call to one side. The idea is to support someone else in weakness. The other word he uses, build up, which is to edify. This word was originally meant to build a home. It means to promote spiritual growth in one another. You notice that not just promote spiritual growth, but promote it in one another, which means Ron is encouraging me and I'm encouraging Ron. I'm not just sitting back letting Ron help me become encouraged. I'm helping him too. And, and one thing I've said more than, on more than one occasion, when we get up in the morning, Sunday morning, and we come to this building, when we come here Wednesday night to this building, we may be feeling as bad as we could possibly feel, but the weirdest thing happened that, that can happen when we walk in this door. As bad as we feel, I might find myself building up this brother over here. That sister over there might find herself building me up. That brother over there might be building that sister up. We just don't know. But I do know this. If we're here and, and you're in another location, you have no opportunity of building me up. I have no opportunity of building you up as well. So again, how is building up taking place? This is done by teaching. It is done by example. It is done by encouragement that is patiently given to those who need such things. And you know, as strong as I think I am, I need such things. I need such things. Because I realize at the end of the day, and I'm going to use my southern vernacular, I ain't as strong as I think I am. And that's the truth. Note that Paul says that the individual members are to comfort one another. The individual members are to edify or build up one another. Now, this is different from the common notion of the preacher being responsible for doing this for the entire church. You know, Tony got a lot of energy, but I don't think Tony got enough energy to do it by himself for this entire congregation. Many times members get angry. Many times members get disappointed when the preacher fails them or fails us. Our activity in the church either builds the church up or our activity tears the church down. Paul says that a ready Christian, a ready Christian, is one the Lord finds building the church, building it up when he appears. This, he says, is the responsibility of the entire congregation. The entire congregation, not just the minister. Number three, we take our attention to verses 12 through the beginning of 13. He says, respect your leaders. Verses 12 and the beginning of 13, the Bible says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So Paul refers to the work of the leaders and the attitude of the church should have toward them. Um, And it's got to be a two-way thing here, not one way. It's got to be two-way. You see, leaders, 
Leaders fulfill their ministry if they are working hard. Uh, the Greek word for trial, in other words. So leaders, again, fulfill their, their ministries when they are working hard in their various roles. Serving, not just decision-making. Teaching, not just talking. Training, not just supervising. The church needs to recognize that this is the work that leaders are doing and ought to appreciate them for doing it. Why? Because it is being done for those in the congregation. It is being done for those in the congregation. The best way to encourage leaders in the church then is to love them and cooperate with them. Serving by their side, not under their feet. Obeying their teaching if it is biblical and accept the training that is being provided with enthusiasm. A church, a church that is not ready for the return of its Lord, if it is complaining and not cooperating with its leaders, and the leaders are not ready if they are not working hard in their ministries. Number four. Verse, the latter part of 13 through verse 15. The Bible there reads, Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So Paul states here that the objective then explains the method. What is he talking about here? He says, admonish the unruly. Who is he talking about? He said, warn the troublemakers. See, in Thessalonica, there were some who did not work. There were some who caused trouble in the church. He also said, encourage the faint-hearted. And when he's talking about the faint-hearted, he's talking about those individuals who are actually discouraged. He say, encourage them not to give up, not to give up. And he's encouraging the leaders as well and other Christians in the group, do not give up on those who are not strong in the faith, but keep encouraging them, keep building them up. It's just like exercise. You work that muscle long enough, that muscle is going to be strong. And then he says, help the weak. When he's talking about weak, he's not talking about physically weak. He's talking about those who are weak to temptation. And he says, hold on to those who are easily drawn away from the truth, easily drawn away from purity, etc., etc. And he said, be patient. Be patient with everyone. Be ready to bear under all people who come in contact with you. And he said, return good for evil, which is the Christian reaction. To those who offend us, we offer the other cheek, not the fist. It is to a man's glory to overlook a transgression. Get a chance, read Proverbs 19 at verse 11. It talks about that. So when there are disputes in the church, and there will be disputes in the church. When there are disputes in the church, it is usually because we violate these principles. We cannot be happy when Jesus returns if he finds us divided, if he finds us at war with one another, if he finds us ignoring one another's spiritual needs. Number five, verse 16 
rejoice always. This seems like an impossible thing considering hardships that we have to go through in life. But Paul is writing, keep in mind, with a review, with a, a view, I should say, of the return of Christ Jesus. That is what we're rejoicing. Not the mundane things that take place on this, in, on this earth, in this community, in our workplace, at home, etc., etc. On our worst day, and I've had some worse days. I had a terrible day today. But then I remember something. It ain't about me. Sudden the vernacular again. It's about the return of Christ Jesus. That makes all of that seems nothing. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our circumstances, we can always rejoice. Why? Because nothing can change the fact that Christ Jesus will return. And when he does, and when he does, we will be with him. So I answer this question right here. And it's rhetorical. How happy will I be? And I'm speaking for you individually. If the Lord comes and find me rejoicing. Think about that for a moment. Number six, verses 17 and 18. He says, pray always. Let's read that. Six, uh, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, a Christian isn't always praying. I'll be the first one to admit to that. There's a thing we do call sleep. We do that. But the Christian can always pray if he wants to. Why? The reason for giving thanks or the reasons for giving thanks are endless. It is God's will that we pray. Jesus is always present as our mediator. The Holy Spirit is always there to help our weakness in prayer. A ready church a ready church is a church with an open line of communication with God through prayer. Wouldn't it be great to be in the middle of a prayer when Christ Jesus comes? I hardly think anybody say, whoa, wait, stop. I haven't finished yet. I don't think any of us will say that. We'll go, come on. Woo-hoo, yes. But just to go back for a second, I know it's hard to think of God all the time. So I'm going to give you two reasons to think of God. I mean, two opportunities to think of God. Since you don't, can't do it all the time, that's hard. So how about this right here? Just think about him in the daytime and at the nighttime, and you'll be okay. Okay? So verse, uh, the seventh one. Verses 19 through 21. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Paul teaches them how to respond to those, teaching them the word through the gift of prophetic utterance, if you will. What he says is that they are to listen 
not to ignore these prophets, but they are to test, that is, examine carefully what they say. And they, he says they are to hold on, that is, do that which is good teaching. Today we don't have prophets. No, we don't. We have the Bible that provides us with God's word. But the admonition is the same. We are to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Jesus said, when he returns, it will not be the ones who say, Lord, Lord, who will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says it will be those who does the will of his father who is in heaven. Number eight. Verse 22. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. Paul says every form of evil. This not only includes moral evil, which is adultery, drunkenness, dishonesty, etc., etc., but also spiritual evil, such as false religions, such as human philosophies that deny God. Think about it like this. Tracy, I like you. So, Tracy, when you were preparing to get married, the night before you went out and partied? Of course not. (laughs) Did you go clean the garage? Of course not. Why is that? I got the answer for you. You wanted to remain devoted and clean for your future husband. The church is the bride of Christ and is ready for his coming if she, the church, is completely devoted to only him and remains pure. This is not, this list of eight that we just looked at, this is not meant to be an exhaustive list. But if you and I, if we do these things to prepare, these eight things can lead us into all good works. Just think about that for a moment. It can lead us to all good works. So I do have a question uh, um, before I read verses 23 and 24. And the question is this. Why do we need to be ready? Why can't we just hang out and when you come, you come? Why do we need to be ready? Because it could happen any moment. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Verses, anybody else? That was... That there covered it. Verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. We need to be ready because God promises that he will do his part, which is to completely perfect us in the twinkling of an eye when Christ Jesus returns. 
And that day will come. Why? Because God himself, God himself has promised it. And I've been around about 70 years. And I have yet to come across a promise that God has failed to accomplish so far. And if you know of one, please inform us. Verses 25 through 28. Okay, another question. Why is Paul teaching this? Why is Paul teaching this? to encourage us and remind us of who whose we are and who we are. Thank you. Thank you. It's like that Chinese proverb. What I am, I can never change. Who I am is always changing. God is interested in the who I am because he knows that each and every day I stay in the word. Each and every day I commune with him. Each and every day the who I am is improved. That's that thing when they talk about be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that who we are changes every day. We put forth the effort to do the things that God will have us do. What I am, I cannot change the fact that I was born a poor black kid in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the poor black parents that pick cotton. I cannot change that fact. But the day I came up out of the waters of baptism, that who I am has been changing every day and each and every one of you can say that as well now Stephen you may not have gotten a chance to be born to poor black parents picking cotton <laughs> but the who you are is changing <laughs> so when we look at 20, verses 25 through 28 the Bible reads brothers pray for us greet all the brothers with a holy kiss I put you on the oath before to the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul ends this letter with a salutation. He ends it with a request for prayers. He ends it with a blessing. He who commits them to reading Rather, he also commits them to read in this epistle, this, this letter, to the church so that everyone would be ready should Christ Jesus return in their lifetime. First century. We're in 2023 on the verge of venturing into 2024. And the things that Paul has written here to the church there at Thessalonica that was started in AD 51 is just as, as, as applicable to us today as it was to them then. And it will be just as applicable 100 years from now if God so allows as it is today. Every day we do a little bit more in preparation. We get better at it every day. Are we going to perfect it when we meet Christ Jesus in the sky? Yeah. <laughs> But we have a challenge, and that challenge is every day to work on it. That challenge is every day to be renewed by the transformation of our minds.
So I thank you for joining me tonight. Um, on Sunday, we will venture off into Second Thessalonians, the second letter to the church there. But also more information for us as we gain more knowledge about uh, the coming of Christ Jesus. So thank you all, and I look forward to joining you in a moment for our devotional.